about this. You've never been at this exact moment in this exact place as this exact version of yourself before. Whoa. I'm Bron Carley. And I'm Cindy Harville. We believe that when we approach the journey of life with curiosity, joy, and a desire to grow, we can have a powerfully positive impact on the world around us. Join us for conversations and explorations that will change your perspective, shift your mindset, and inspire you to get out there and spread the good stuff. Spread that good stuff. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody listening in right here. We're going to have some fun today. We got a part two of my soul brother, Aaron Grooves, Aaron Williams. He is back again. For those of you who didn't catch him last time, Aaron is an amazing musician, composer, performer, and educator who has hundreds of millions of views through his individual videos and his collaborations with others. He is my performance partner for keynotes and concerts, and he is my soul brother. Please welcome Aaron Williams. Yeah, the crowd. So, bro, I want to jump right in, man, uh, as this is the part two from last um, from the last video. We uh, we covered a lot of ground there. You know, we talked about the oath of possibility. We talked about. Um, you know, integrating and expanding and igniting. We talked about so many cool things. Uh, I'd love to go in the direction today of what happens when you're inspired by someone or ignited by someone or something, but then you might be intimidated by that, you know, by their level of expertise or Jedi-ness or wizardry. And, you know, kind of like the way I look at it is, You know, I know for myself, sometimes when I see somebody who is like, you know, just so good at something or so amazing, whatever it is, speaking or performing or, you know, uh, playing music or cooking or whatever the thing is, you know, there's kind of a choice that I have to make. Either I can um, be engaged in the comparison syndrome where I might, you know, might compare myself to them and say, I'm not as good as them. How could I ever do that? Or I then, shift into a place where I'm asking questions of curiosity. So it's comparison or curiosity, comparison or curiosity. And then I know that once I get into that expansive state of curiosity, I can ask those those curious questions. What would happen if I wonder if I could do that, things like that. But I would love to hear your thoughts and your input on this moment of when we get inspired or ignited by the possibility of what someone else is doing or how they're being how can we choose the healthy thing there to really explore that and expand into it? Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me back. Very excited. Last time was a lot of fun and I'm excited for this follow-up. That's such a great question and a great observation because I think it's kind of natural to have a little bit of that in almost every situation, probably even a little bit healthy to have a little bit of that because it means you're deeply reflecting on your your capabilities and you're evaluating whether or not you think you could do that. And what if your evaluation tells you, whether it's correct or incorrect, what if your evaluation tells you, I can't do that, but I'm still clearly impacted by what I'm seeing or what I'm perceiving right now. How do you, what do you do with that information or with that false or possibly accurate narrative? And uh, I just remembered while you were speaking about this, that I used to be in that mindset a lot, even though I was ignited, for example, about percussion when I was younger, the first big thing that I really dived into and where I learned how to learn. When, even though I was really ignited, I had moments of doubt the entire way. I was constantly comparing myself to other marimbists. I had this goal of trying to become the best marimbist. And not until pretty far into my journey did I realize that And maybe this is just my own mental gymnastics, (laughs) but I think that this is really the way the world works. We are each individuals. No one is going to be the same as someone else. Even if you try your best to clone someone else's skill set, you're never going to do it. So if that's your goal, you've already set off in the wrong direction. But what I realized is that there is no such thing as the best marimbist. And for me, that totally opened up my world because suddenly I didn't feel like I had to be able to play this Debussy piece, the way that marimbas played that Debussy piece, I can put my own musical interpretation into it. Or the most recent version of this for me is in the world of speaking. 
as you and I have ventured into not only making music together and making music for audiences, but also speaking to audiences. And I've been standing next to you on stage and you've really been passionate about speaking for all of these years. And I haven't, haven't really, even though I've been educating and facilitating, I haven't really focused on the skills of public speaking or really thought about how to how I would organize or encapsulate certain ideas and present them to an audience. So for me, there was a lot of that when we first started speaking together. And I'm sure you remember it clearly. It's still there a little bit, but um, but now I was finally able to get past that initial hump of I'll never be as good of a speaker as Bron Carr. Because now what I think is the opposite of that. I think, well, what kind of a speaker would I be if I had those skills? Because I would not be the same speaker as Bron Carr. I would be something totally different. And now what I always think is, what, what does that ultimate speaker, Aaron, even look like? I mean, what, what are the possibilities there? What would I look like if I, what could I look like as a speaker in five years? Whoa. Talk about expanding the mind. When I think like that, suddenly it makes things a lot more expensive and open and more exciting. So for the listeners at home, maybe you watched that last podcast. If you haven't, you should check it out. Um, just to get this reference, but maybe you watched that last podcast and some of the ideas you were thinking to yourself, yeah, this is all great and it's exciting and I love these ideas, but I'm not going to go out and be a public speaker. I'm not going to be the manager. I just really love my job. I'm happy the way, the way I am. I don't need to embrace any of these things, but, but they're still fun. So maybe there's a little resistance there. Um, perhaps you could just ask yourself a simple question. What would happen if I did incorporate a little bit of this skill set? Or what, what would happen if I just reflected for a moment on the way I communicate, not necessarily trying to change anything, but just taking a moment to reflect on how I communicate. And then maybe asking the question, is there something that I, I would like to change about the way I communicate? Or is there something I could learn a little bit more on? Or is there something I would like to do a little bit differently? And these are not really big life-changing questions, but just enough to really get you to reflect. And maybe you'll find something that you do want to change or work on or uh, integrate and those are, those are the kinds of questions that I ask now. And it's starting to become intuitive. So that's why I say when you mentioned it, it reminded me, right? That's part of the oath of possibility, reminding of things that we've forgotten. Because I forget, you, you practice something, it gets better, your mindset changes, and then you go on. And then that's just part of the new you. But you forget that at one point, that was not you at all. <laughs> you had to get to that point before it became intuitive. And then you forgot that you just, you just do this all the time now. But at one point, you did not do it that way. And it's really important to take the time to reflect on things and to actually carve out that time. And we call that, you know, permission to pause. You know, it's pause the music because the external world can be so loud and so fast and so intense. Pause the music, listen within, adjust your tuning or ask good questions or questions of curiosity and then press play again. So it's about creating that space, consciously creating that space to have the eye of the storm moment um, and reflect back. And that's so important. And that is a great uh, reminder uh, inside of the Oath of Possibility, as you referenced, to remember things you may have forgotten. And so, and just as a quick reference point for everybody listening, the Oath of Possibility is something that Aaron and I recite on a daily basis. And every time when we give our, a, a keynote experience or a concert experience, uh, we recite this with the audience. And the, the possibility is my life is a journey. I've never been at this exact place, at this exact moment as this exact version of myself before. Today, I give myself permission to explore, to be curious, to receive old information from a new perspective, to receive new information with an open mind, and to be reminded of things I may have forgotten. And so that's what, what Aaron's referencing there, what you're referencing there, bro. And, and that's um, such a great thing because remembering those things and taking that time to give ourselves permission to pause, to reflect on the changes we've made and how we've upgraded, hopefully, uh, is so important. And one thing that can help us to remember that is the quality people that we surround ourselves with. When they can you know, hold space and ask questions. Oh, how did you discover that? Oh, when did you realize that? Oh, you know, and, and, and so then they're asking those questions of curiosity to us. And then through our experiences, we're able to, uh, you know, relive that with the intention to help people as well. And now I wanted to touch on something here. You, you mentioned something with learning how to learn. 
And you talked about learning how to learn there. I'd like to, I'd like to delve deeper inside of learning how to learn because that is such an applicable skill for anybody listening. So tell me, what is your, what is your take on, on learning how to learn? What do you know about this, bro? (laughs) What do you know about learning how to learn? (laughs) Um, This is a fun conversation for me because for us, this is a fun conversation because we both have geeked out on this topic, trying to acquire skills quickly so we can use them often in a musical setting. But um, that applies to anything, any skill that can be learned. You can apply these same ideas. And we touched upon some of them briefly in the last podcast, but we didn't really get into you know details or specifics or really geek out about it. But I'll just start by saying a couple of examples, because I remember when you first started playing saxophone and you got your first ever saxophone and played your first ever saxophone note. And um, within, what, two months, I think you were able to put it into our show. I mean, that's some quick turnaround. And you could never have done that if you didn't know how to learn and you didn't know how to ask questions and you didn't know how to give yourself feedback and how to be efficient. And as an adult with a job and either mortgage or rent or kids and all of this stuff, you have to be efficient in your learning. And this is, by the way, going back to education, this is one of the biggest differences I've noticed between adults and children. Um, Usually adults have real life that they have to attend to. Children have the freedom to explore. And I've actually found that adults pick up things way faster than my my younger students. Um, The problem is that with adults, it's much more of a balancing act or it's much more of a maze or just a puzzle, just to piece together a practice routine. So the hardest, the biggest challenge is finding that time, which also goes back to some of the things we touched upon. But um, okay, learning to learn, <laughs> be efficient, ask the right questions, have a mentor, like all the stuff, all the basic stuff. It's so easy to say it, but just putting it in action, is, it looks so much different. I mean, how much do you want to learn? For you, I re- I'm, I'm using you as a reference just because we're both part of this conversation. And we, we were both part of your saxophone learning journey. <laughs> but I remember you had a clear goal and the goal setting is so important. Do you want to use a particular skill in a certain way? Because if you do, then you have a clear goal to get to. It's not necessarily to do everything that's possible with that skill. It's just to be able to do this one particular thing. I want to be able to play the saxophone for a certain song. I want to learn the notes that I need and have a good tone and be able to execute efficiently and consistently on a stage. That can be a goal. It doesn't have to be, I can play every single skill and every key signature and all my arpeggios. That's a totally different goal. And if that's your goal, then that may open up some more of the doors of possibility, but it also may restrict you because you didn't actually learn any songs. Anyway, okay, I'm getting yeah, off. It's a lot of, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lifetime journey right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lifetime journey. Okay, so do you have a clear goal for the skill or is it just fun or is it both? So that's something to think about. And uh, next is the practice routine. How much do you practice? Do you know how to practice? Because like I mentioned, I'm reinventing the wheel in that last podcast. If you don't know how to practice, you may be wasting a lot of your time or you may be reinventing the wheel. So this is where it's so important to ask questions to someone who's already done it. And that could be either getting yourself a teacher or a coach, or it could be reading some books, or it could be going searching YouTube videos. Um, Or if you've already done enough research and you kind of have an idea of what to do already, it could just be sitting down with a piece of paper and a pencil or whatever you use for note-taking and just kind of making a little plan for yourself. Sometimes that's enough. But um, definitely establishing a practice routine and a ritual that's super important for learning efficiently, not just learning, but efficiently. Uh, For myself, I'm the type of person still to this day where I love to just play and explore. It's hard for me to sit down at a drum set, for example, and just be really disciplined with exercises and listening and transcribing or practicing from a book for my practice routine. I need to just sit there and jam out for for a while. So I noticed that about myself and I wrote that into my practice routine. I would have 30 minutes, jam out. And it could be anything. There would be no rules for that 30 minutes. So um, being able to know yourself and what your goals are and be able to factor in all the things that you need. Last but not least, um, definitely have a way to use it. How are you going to use that skill? Are you going to put it into action? Is it just for personal development? Is it just for personal enjoyment? Or is it something you're going to use, especially in the arts? Arts are something that we use for self-expression. So it would be nice if you could have an opportunity to express yourself, either for your friends or set up a little concert if you're doing a musical instrument. 
I'll pause right there and just toss the ball back into your court. Like, like you said, I mean, we could talk about this kind of stuff forever, but those are just some of the first thoughts that pop into my mind. Yeah. Let me reflect real quick here. Cause you threw down a lot of good stuff there, um, which is great because the podcast is spread the good stuff. So when you throw good stuff down, I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> so I heard a lot of things there. I heard the importance of inside of learning how to learn here uh, to really set a clear goal up front. Um, like, you know, like you were saying, using me as the, the reference point for the saxophone journey, um, there were so many things that I didn't need to learn or know, and only a couple things that I really needed to learn in order to achieve my goal with the saxophone, which was not to be the greatest saxophone player of all time and to learn how to play every song and every scale and every mode. It was very different. It was like, I want to be able to stand on stage and deliver one really solid piece. And that was it. And so these are the few scales that I need to learn. These are the few practice routines, et cetera, et cetera, to get there. So it's about getting clear on not only what you want to achieve, but also what you don't need right now. And then what that does is it gives us the ability to then go for that goal. And then when we hit that goal, if we hit that goal, then we can choose to say, oh, now I'd like to expand it more. And I'd like to, now that I got this thing down and I hit that checkpoint in that three-month period of time or whatever, now I want to explore this whole realm over here. But then we get to upgrade and update that agreement with ourselves and that skill. Um, and so it's constantly being refreshed instead of having the bodacious goal of, I want to do everything all the time. It's like, no, I'm going to choose this one thing. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because the goal, if you achieve the goal, that doesn't mean it's the end of the journey. It could be, but it rarely is. And the people who really get the most enjoyment are the people that never have an end to the journey. It just keeps evolving and new goals come and new goals pass. And that's the you know saying I like to have inside of this is either modify or move on. And either we modify mm. the agreement, right? We modify our goal or our contract with ourselves or others or ourselves in the instrument or the skill or whatnot, or we move on and we say, hey, I got that. You know what? The return on investment isn't great enough right now to make it a, a huge priority in my life. I think I'm going to move on to something else. Or we can modify that and say, this was cool. What could I do next? You know? Modify or move on? Yeah. Modify or move on. Modify move on. Yeah. Cool. I'm writing that one down. Yeah. Cause then we can cut the cord too. There's no need to hold that energy there, <laughs> right? There's no need to hold that energetic agreement there if we don't need it. It's it, it, if it's not exactly. relevant, you know, exactly. it's like, you, so yeah. And that's, yeah, just, that can be very taxing. Just, just the weight on your shoulders of knowing oh, I need to practice today, blah, 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 blah. But not having the same motivation after you've achieved a certain goal or after you've already really moved on deep down within your heart, trying to force yourself to keep doing something. That's, yeah. that's very good free up that bandwidth, man. You know, we only have, we have a limited amount of energy and our energetic bandwidth can only go so far and for so long. And so let's, let's just, let's, let's clip that, let's clip that cord and let that go. So we can have our full capacity and energy and energetic bandwidth here to then plug into something else. Yeah. yeah. The other point that I really liked there was, uh, do you know how to practice which was really great because there are so many different ways to practice and that intentional and deliberate practice can make all the difference in the world. Is there anything you wanted to comment on knowing how to practice? I'll just share a really quick uh, story. When I was a freshman in college, my first marimba teacher, this would have been actually no, my second marimba teacher in college, my sophomore year, used to always tell me, Aaron, slow down, practice with a metronome. And I would never do that. <laughs> I was like, I want to learn it quick. I want to play fast. Blah, 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 blah. One day, I finally decided to take his advice. I set a metronome at less than half the tempo, less than half the target tempo. I sat there. The big clock tower on the campus was in the distance. And I just went through it, left hand, super slow, painfully slow, so boring. But I wasn't missing any notes because it was so slow that I could actually keep up. I worked on the right hand. Um, I finally put them together. This was maybe 45 minutes went by for me to just get through the song one time. And this was only half a page of music. I wasn't even doing the entire song. I was just doing this one half a page with the left hand and the right hand and both hands together. It took me over 45 minutes to get them put together. And right before I went to lunch, I said, okay, 
I have to play this up tempo once just to see how it feels before I go to lunch. And everything came out effortlessly. And I was like, <gasps> he was right. I sent him an email and gave him a phone call before I went to lunch because I was like, this actually works. Slowing it down, playing it at a tempo that you can achieve and just letting your brain absorb at that slower tempo, it actually works. He's like, I know, I've been telling you literally for over a year. <laughs> so to him, it was like, I know it works. That's why I told you. But me, it was like, whoa, this works. So just, yeah, that's why it's so important to check with check in with someone who's been there, who really knows what they're doing and to take their advice. Yeah. Don't just listen, actually take their advice, no matter how difficult or out of your comfort zone it may be. Which, which is what you said there about the coach and mentor, um, which was really important. But as a reminder to everybody here, like the importance of slowing down so that you can allow your brain to absorb it. I mean, that's, that's really big because so I think in our society, generally speaking, we have an information inundation. We have an information overload and it's so much information coming at us. But what we're really oftentimes lacking is the integration of that information. And so one saying that I like to, to, to put on the forefront of my mental search engine is less information, more integration. So I'm making a conscious choice to switch things off and say, I'm not open. I have no bandwidth to receive more information. I need to actually do something with that information that I received. I need to put it into practice. I need to actually implement it now. Yeah, just one other thought about the importance of having a coach and what that can do for you is that, and this is also the difference between a good coach and someone that knows the information but doesn't necessarily have the best tools and guiding you through the process. Because I tell my students all the time, it doesn't matter how fast you're playing. If you keep practicing it quickly, but you're making mistakes, your brain is going to get used to making mistakes at that exact moment, at that exact time, every single time. If you slow it down, your brain is still getting the repetitions, but suddenly it's getting good repetitions. And it doesn't matter the tempo. Your brain just needs the information in a certain order. That's the way humans learn. So having a mentor that can take you through that process, not just tell you slow down, but actually show you how to slow down, tell you that you need to set the metronome at XYZ tempo, or um, demonstrate on the marimba like my marimba professor did, all these different ways to learn a marimba piece. So um, you may have to ex experiment and explore a, a few different coaches. Or if you can't afford the coach that you want, still ask questions. There, there might be a way for you to get some of that information. But um, as one more example of this, I recently decided that in my piano journey, I wanted to get more information from expert pianists. So I started taking lessons from some friends, from, from professional jazz pianists. I had one lesson with this amazing pianist. He's toured the world with all kinds of people. He plays all styles, all genres. He's a beast. Um, so I took a lesson with him. He gave me so much information. I had a page full of notes. At the end of the lesson, I walked away feeling like, well, I mean, this is great, but I have no idea how to actually integrate any of this. Because the entire hour of lesson was just information, 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 information. And not one point did he ask me, Aaron, can you play this? Can you try this? Let me hear you do X, Y, Z, and then let me give you feedback. He didn't actually help me integrate anything or give me any tools for how to put it into practice. So um, I realized that, and that's, that's really important, to find a coach that not only gives you the information, but makes sure you know how to use it and how to integrate it. So that's just one other important thing about the coach. That is powerful. I really, really, really love that. And I also wanted to touch on one thing here because you referenced metronome several times. And for some people listening, uh, that might be a foreign word. So basically a metronome is a timekeeping device that helps us to play in rhythm with whatever skill we're, we're cultivating uh, inside of music. So whatever instrument we're learning. And there is, um, not only is there a metronome for playing music, but there's a metronome for life. It's called a clock. And we all keep time <laughs> on this clock and there's 60 seconds per minute right? And, and we know that there's 24 hours in the day and we know that there's seven days in the week and we know that there's, you know, approximately 30 days in a month. And, and we have these, all these different cycles uh, to life. And so to think about the metronome of life for you, it's the tempo in which you're doing things, the pace in which you're doing things. And again, coming back to information inundation, it's like sometimes we need to slow that tempo down, slow that metronome down, slow that pace down so that we, we can really create space 
to hear things, right? Like when we're learning a, a new language, for example, if, if anybody here is bilingual or trilingual or et cetera, when we're first hearing a new language, we can't possibly comprehend when someone is speaking fluently and, 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 and speedily in that we have to slow it down and we need to figure out what are the A, what is the alphabet, ABCs for English, what is the alphabet for this language first? Nice and slow, integrate that. Then we put those letters together to make words, words together to make sentences, sentences together to then flow effortlessly and improvise with the jazz of that language. But we have to deconstruct that first. And oftentimes that means slowing down the metronome of life, slowing down the tempo of life so that we can properly retain that information. Yeah. And I use music as a metaphor, obviously, because I'm a musician and that's where I've applied most of these skills most frequently, but this applies to any kind of skill acquisition. Um, the brain just works. One of my uh, music educator mentors, Doug Goodkin, you know Doug, but he used to always say, this is how the brain learns. Repetition, 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 variation. So that variation is very important too. You have to change it up. Otherwise, you're not really learning. You're just kind of executing instructions and then you get kind of stuck. But um, that variation is important too. So remember that, that uh, variation. But you can, what, what are you repeating? That's the question. What are you repeating? Um, are you, if you're learning a new language, are you repeating mistakes? Are you repeating good enunciation? So it, I don't know, it's, it's important to think about all of these things. It's just so expensive. I sometimes get a little, a little stuck trying to. <laughs> well, you know, this, this is really cool though, bro. Let me jump in there because you referenced Doug Goodkin, which is a really phenomenal uh, educator and just a powerhouse uh, in the world. But I love that saying repetition, 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 variation. That's really cool. And I think here also, um, we can open this up a little bit to more skills outside of music because for us together, uh, we're constantly learning other skills. I know for, for you, you're, you know, you're super passionate about math, which is a weird line. Aaron is passionate about math. Who do you know that's passionate about math? Right. Um, other than like an accountant or something, but, but like Aaron, you love math. And one thing that you got me into was, was cubing Rubik's cubing and the, infinite complexities of solving a Rubik's cube, which to me, it, I used to think that, you know, either you were born able to solve a Rubik's cube or you weren't. And somehow you had this genetic thing inside of you where either you could do it or you couldn't. And I didn't have the capacity. I didn't have that gene to solve the Rubik's cube. And then once I started asking questions of curiosity, I started to explore that realm. I realized, oh, I can actually solve a Rubik's cube. And thanks to your help, and support and guidance, I actually got to where I could consistently solve a cube in you know under a minute. I actually performed it on stage once as a metaphor. Um, but there are trillions of combinations with the Rubik's cube, and you can you can actually like trim all of the fat away and get right to the meat of it by learning a handful of algorithms and solving the cube through the sequence of events that actually gets you to the end result very, very, very quickly. So I wanted to just broaden this conversation and expand out into some other skills here as well with this learning how to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Rubik's Cube is a unique one too because like you said, a lot of people have this perception of it as being this really sophisticated mathematical thing that only a select few people will ever achieve. But it's really elegant and it's really simple. And it's even possible to solve a Rubik's Cube without knowing any algorithms. Well, not without knowing any algorithms, but there's basically one way you can make any change. And it, it takes a little thought. I learned this watching some videos like, whoa, it totally blew my mind open. I haven't used it yet, but it made sense. And you can rework any kind of configuration, get anything that you need with some really simple tools. But I, I wasn't taught that as a kid. <laughs> I just saw this complicated thing. It was like, what in the world? How, how do you get it back to all the colors? And I experimented with it a long time when I was a kid, finally gave up. And then in college, um, as a percussionist, usually in the concert band, we, we count 200 bars of rest, then stand up and do a cymbal crash and sit back down. So I needed something to do in that time. So that's when I started get, getting back into cubing. Basically what that, how it actually works. To translate that for people who don't know what you just said, basically that means oh. he, was, <laughs> he, was, he had the role of a very bored drummer. <laughs> in like the, yeah, the I was that guy in the back of the orchestra 
yeah. sitting down for Beethoven's fifth for about 20 minutes. Then you stand up and hit the bass drum and then sit back down. <laughs> or instead of hit a triangle on a symphony. But in concert percussion, we have lots of time on our hands. As long as you don't miss your cue, you can do other things like cube. Anyway, that's a great reference. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So you would so you would figure out how to solve the cube during your uh, your days as a symphonic drummer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's when I learned how to finally solve it. <laughs> but you know, there's there's ways to. I think the what I love about the cube specifically is there's ways to kind of hack these learning curves and to you know kind of you know break these you know break through these misconceptions of things once we can demystify some things. And I love mystery, and I love. Uh, I, 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 I love spirituality. I love the unseen realm. I love the, uh, the qualitative and not necessarily the quantitative <laughs> realm. I love that. I love all that stuff. And a lot of things can be deconstructed, like solving a cube. It's like, oh, actually. And when, when we reference algorithm here, it's a sequence of individual moves that, that go together to create this desired outcome, uh, in this particular context. And the same thing can apply in all aspects of life. Absolutely. Maybe not all, but many. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, so for the listener, I would just um, maybe make the invitation that if there's a certain skill or something that you has been percolating in the back of your mind, if you haven't already, to think about how you could go about learning that more efficiently or if there's, a, especially if there's a skill that you're excited to try that you haven't dived into yet, this is a great place to apply some of these new things. Like, oh, is there someone I could possibly get some ideas from or ask about this that I already know and have access to? Who could be a good coach for me? How can I go about learning this? Because as humans, we, we really are pretty curious beings kind of by nature. So of course that can be beaten out of us, but most of us maintain that curiosity. And when we have the freedom to explore, we usually find ourselves in all kinds of interesting things. So I would just invite you as a listener to think about something and maybe think about something that you're working on now and how efficiently you're working on that skill. And maybe think about a new skill that you've been curious about that you haven't started yet. And just maybe ask some of these questions or reflect on how you can learn it efficiently or what you would like to try. Yeah. And what's cool about that, I'll make a quick comment and then I want to steer it to another, another point here. But I know that for myself, when I have a certain level of mastery over one particular skill and I get out of my comfort zone and go and learn something different, then when I come back to the thing I'm really good at, it's so much more fun. And I am actually bringing that, the insecurities or the, or the, uh, the, 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 um, the discomfort and then I'm like pouring it in and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I'm good at this. This is great, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting too, because it's so weird just thinking about this journey because now I've gotten so used to that discomfort that it's not uncomfortable anymore. Like I expect it. I know it's going to be there. And I'm, I'm still learning new instruments or new skills and uh, studying new topics and learning new communication skills and working on new things to implement into speaking. But I have a viola over there. I've told you this, you know about this viola. I haven't even opened it yet, but I finally am opening it because one of my students is getting into viola. So I'm like, okay, it's time. And I, I already know I'm gonna open this up and not know exactly what to do, but I'm actually excited for that moment and excited yeah. for how quickly I'm gonna be able to learn. Which is, which is going to be really exciting. So for the people listening, how do you deal with, with failure though and mistakes or mistakes? Because this is an essential part here. And you talked about that discomfort. And now you said something like you've gotten so you know, comfortable embracing that discomfort, so to speak, um, that you know, it's kind of second nature now. And you're still doing it like with the old, like you said, or with public speaking or you know, different skills. How let's let's just speak to that a little bit about the importance of how we deal with failure or mistakes. Yeah, there's a couple of thoughts. The biggest one right now has been kind of a recurring theme, which is for myself and for my students is to be kind to yourself. Mm. I tell my students this all the time. I tell myself this all the time. Be kind to yourself. Forgive yourself 
Accept that you're a human. You're going to make mistakes. There's nothing you can do about it. The question is, what happens when you make those mistakes? That's really the big moment. A mistake is going to happen. You can guarantee this because we're human. That's just the way, that's the way we work. We don't get it perfect on the first try. So when a mistake happens, how do you handle it? This is where you separate <laughs> the progress from the regress. Do you get upset about it? Do you beat yourself up? And with kids, I've seen them literally hit themselves. I saw a girl smack herself in the head with a recorder because she didn't get the thing right. At first, I thought she was just joking. But then I noticed that it was a habit. She was actually hitting herself every time she made a mistake. And there wasn't a joke about it. She was just really frustrated and she beat up on herself. But I see this all the time. I used to see it in myself. So getting to that place where you can forgive yourself is really the first step. Because without that, you're not going to be able to take advantage of the next step, which is to maximize those mistakes. Reflect on that mistake. What's, what, are you, what is that mistake telling you? Every mistake is really a little mini lesson. And if you can take as much information from that little lesson or that little mistake as you can, you can maximize what you get out of it. And then you can be way more efficient in your uh, learning and your integration. So for example, if I miss a note on the viola, I don't just say, oh, I missed a note and then try it again. I say, oh, I missed a note. Why did I miss that note? And then I have to do this kind of scientific deconstruction process. Well, how's my posture? Where is this angle of the bow hand? Is my finger right? Why did I miss that note? Just why did you miss that note can lead to so many questions mm. rather than just, oh, I missed a note. Let's try again. So first, forgive yourself. Second, ask where the mistake was, why it happened, how it happened, and really be intentional about trying to maximize every little bit of information you can get from that little mistake. Yeah. And then finally, the last, always three-step processes for me are, are really good for my brain. Yeah. But the last step for me is just to think, what are you going to do differently the next time? If you don't think what you're going to do differently the next time, there's a higher probability that you'll make the same mistake again. So first, be forgiving so you don't get stuck. And then you can actually open yourself to learning from the mistake. Second, why did the mistake happen? What went wrong? How can you improve? Which is the third step which is what are you going to do differently next time? And uh, an exercise that I do with myself and I have my students do is before we do another run of, especially when I'm working with a group of people, not just in music, but in life, when I'm working with a group of people, before we do the thing again, we always get together and I ask them. And if, if I'm not in a leadership position, I just ask myself before we do this thing again, okay, we're about to do it again. Think of at least one thing you want to incorporate this time. Maybe it's just fixing one little thing here. Maybe it's fixing one little thing there. Maybe it's doing one little bitty thing different. But just think of one thing that you're going to improve. Because for my brain, I can't focus on multiple things trying to fix at the same time. Which is the reason why when I see teachers tell a person, okay, first, uh, fix your posture. Make sure your fingers are curved. Really make sure you have the right spacing between your fingers. Make sure you're catching that middle C. That's middle C, the, the, the line below the treble clap. Remember that one? I see people throwing all this information at a student like, wait a minute, they're not going to get any of that. They're going to totally fail. One thing at a time. I could talk about this forever, of course, but uh, let me stop there and just throw the ball back at you. One thing at a time. No, that was great, bro. It just, it really brought it into perspective for me because a skill that I'm currently working on is, is a, a newer sport called disc golf. And I just picked up disc golf and it's, it's really cool for many reasons. It's, it serves me personally because I'm able to be outside. I'm able to get my exercise. I'm communing with nature. I get to connect with one of my personal mentors, my, my good friend, Dan Thurman, um, you know, and I get, to, you know, he's a colleague and a mentor in the, in the public speaking and keynote speaking realm. And so I get all of these and it's, it's, it's just, it checks so many of the boxes for me, but I was just playing a couple of days ago with him and another person. And, and this other person was just like, kind of like coaching me. I'm new at it. And he just gave me like six things at like instantaneously. He's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and your grip and your release and the snap and your direction and your angle and your timing. And I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. I was like, ease up, bro. I'm going to do one thing. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's that fundamental, <laughs> the fundamental, like learning how to learn. And it's like, well, we need to deconstruct and give one thing to latch onto. Let's less information, more integration. Let me integrate that one thing and master that, so to speak, before I introduce another ingredient to my recipe here, you know? Um, so I was no, I'm so glad that you gave that example because that also reminds me of something I thought of earlier that I was just going to let pass. But this is one of the benefits of learning how to learn is that you can help um, steer 
steer the guider, steer the coach. Because sometimes they're just really excited and really passionate to share all this information with you. And even though they may actually be a really good educator, but they're just in this mode where they're super amped and they want to just give you this, 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 this. And they see that you need that, 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 that. And they just want to give it all to you. And they have no idea when they'll see you again or when they'll be able to give you the next thing that they're thinking of. So as a good learner, you can say, oh, wait a minute. Actually, could you tell me how to implement this one thing? Or actually, could you slow down a little bit? Just tell me what's if you could give me one tip for this next toss, what would it be? You can find a simple way to just kind of help get that information in a more digestible format. And because um, I, I kind of felt like I threw that piano player under the bus that gave me this just yeah. complete fire hose of information. But the truth is, I'm probably going to take another lesson from them because they have so much to offer. And I probably have better questions for them that I can get even more information in a usable format. Yeah. And that's a good reminder because it's on you as the student to sometimes be the teacher, right? Especially Mm -hmm. as doing adult learning, right? Just because the person is in the authority role of I am the teacher, right? Because I am really good at the thing doesn't mean that they have the ability to deconstruct it and then, you know, transfer that, that knowledge, that wisdom into another, you know, being into another person. So I think that's a really good reminder to make sure as we learn how to learn and we become masters of learning, then we can help the, the teacher or the educator uh, with their process of giving that information. So yeah, that's it's a- really fascinating to think that you can be unskilled in something and help the person who has all of the skills to give mm-hmm. the skills to you. That's fascinating. That's tight, bro. That is, that is, that is fresh. As I tell Nico, I say, Neeks, you got tight beats. And I'm like, <laughs> that right there. And that's when we have a breakthrough, right? The synapses are firing and we're, we're creating a new pathway with our you know, neurologi- neurological makeup here with our prefrontal and everything. It's like that. Neeks, you got tight beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was a good one, bro. I like that one. So, um, and also, I know we're going to wrap up here in a moment. This is, we're so passionate about this. We could talk about this for days, but like, um, I love what you said too about the, you know, what matters is what we choose to do with the mistake. That makes all the difference. And that makes all the difference of either having regression or progression. Right. And so that's so simple that, you know, what am I choosing to do with this mistake? How am I listening to this mistake? How am I talking to this mistake? How am I being curious, you know, with this mistake, you know, kind of why did that, why did that that happen? And so I just love the way you framed that too. And a quick reminder of those three notes, those three points that you made, which was number one, be kind to yourself. Number two, talk to the mistake. And number three, um, ask yourself, what am I going to do differently next time? And so those are just such a great, a great recap there. Um, you know, just recapping a little bit here, because there's a lot of information. Also, what you know, what you said earlier, with which came down, trickled down from Doug Goodkin, which was repetition, 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 variation. I love that as a reminder there as we're learning new things. And then also a reminder to everybody to slow down the metronome of life, right? To sometimes pause that external sound, you know, give ourselves permission to pause, pause the music, listen within, ask curious questions, adjust our own tuning, and then press play again. That reminder to slow down the tempo of life sometimes so that we can truly integrate all of that information. Um, And then finally, reflecting back on what you shared earlier about, you know, when we're learning a new skill to be able to set a clear goal there to get clear on what it is that we are wanting to achieve with it. As we do that, then we, we know that once we hit that goal, maybe it's a short-term goal, we can either modify that agreement or we can move on, right? We can choose to expand upon that, or we can say, you know what, I'm good on that. I'm going to move on to something totally different. Um, And then the importance of knowing how to practice, right? And, and, and a lot of that comes with, as you said, with your mentor, you know, let your, give your brain that time to absorb, which is again, a reminder of slowing it down, that tempo down, but having that coach or that mentor that can really uh, help steer you there. So those are some of the things that are, that are standing out to me as we come to a conclusion here of this session. Uh, is there anything else you want to you wanna, um, embellish on of, of what I just reflected there? Yeah, that was an excellent recap. Thank you for that. Uh, Just two thoughts. One of them was the idea of the mentor. 
and just being really explicit about the idea that the mentor or the coach or the guide or the teacher, they can help you with any process, any steps in the process or the process itself. They can help you in setting goals. It doesn't have to just be giving information or integration. They can help you with any part of that process, especially when we enter a new skill. Sometimes we don't even know what a reasonable goal is because we just don't know how much it takes to get to whatever we are imagining. Um, or maybe we don't know how quickly we learn or how slowly we learn. So I, I think of this because I remember wanting to learn how to, to do force bounce juggling from you. And I also wanted to learn club juggling from you and all of these different things. And you gave me a few tips. And sometimes you would say something, I'd be like, really? You don't think I could achieve this within 30 days? And then I'd be like, well, I'm going to try it anyway. I remember when, oh, with the five clubs, trying to get five clubs running. Everyone that I talked to said, no one gets five clubs in 30 days. I was like, well, okay, I'm going to try anyway. I didn't get five clubs in 30 days. So just being able to use your mentor for everything. That can be the goal setting. That can be practice routine. That can be anything across the spectrum. And then uh, the other one was just going to be the idea of forgiving yourself. Um, that also applies to forgiving other people as well. And that includes, you know, your coaches. It includes people you're working with. Because mistakes are going to happen all across the board. And sometimes it feels so personal when they happen in a social context. So just try to remember to, um, if you can remove that part out of the equation, and then you can look at the next two parts, the uh, learning from the mistake or whatever the miscommunication or the misfire or the snafu, whatever that was, and then trying to see what can be done differently next time. That can just help with a lot of other contexts, not just learning a new skill. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that reminded me of something really there. I love, I love everything you just shared. And, um, and certainly having the coach there or the mentor there that can help steer you to give you like a realistic quote unquote goal um, of something that you can achieve as you were referencing the juggling thing there, you know, for the listeners who don't understand juggling, basically manipulating five clubs is a really high level skill. And you would, you know, that's, that's pretty much for, you know, pros or really serious jugglers. And uh, if a juggler could be serious, uh, but um <laughs> But it's a really high level. And where Aaron was coming in and attempting that, his level was pretty low. Zero. <laughs> it was pretty low. He had a little bit of skill. But going from zero to like, you know, 500 miles an hour, you were basically trying to operate like an airplane. But it's like you got a Fred Flintstone car. And it's like, hold up, bro. Like, there's a lot of things we need to build here so that you have a solid foundation so that you can actually get this thing up in the air like wings and an engine that can push it. And you know what I'm saying? It's like, we got, we got some stuff to build here before we can get up there. So having that kind of reality checklist, right. Uh, to, together there can often be very valuable and that can come from a, from a, a mentor or a coach. Very you know? valuable. Yeah. I did get close though. I could at least flash five, which is this one, two, three, four, five, catch, 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 catch. But yeah. I just couldn't keep going, sustain it anyway. Yeah. That was fun. I have to get back into that. Yeah. Yeah. So bro, I, you know, and again, we could, we could talk for days on this. I want to throw this one. I want to throw this one thing in here, which is something that we use here. Um, you know, at the good stuff network, which is, uh, we say we're a 5g network and the 5g network is something that we, we use as a beacon every day. And at the, at the beginning of every day, we, we, we kind of meditate or project or visualize these things and ask these questions. The five G's are, um, how am I going to grow today? So it's growth is number one. How am I going to have grace today? Grace for myself and grace for others. What am I grateful for today? How am I living in gratitude today? How am I giving today? Maybe that's giving of, of information, giving of knowledge, giving of energy, giving of good stuff. And then the fifth G, which is the one that oftentimes gets overlooked, is giggles. How am I going to giggle today? How am I going to bring out giggles in others? So it's growth, grace, gratitude, giving, and giggles. And as we embrace that 5G network every day, that helps to align our mind. And we put that on the forefront of our mental search engine. And suddenly we're looking for ways to tap in to that 5G network. Yeah, I love that. The giggles is so important. I mean, that's really what it's all about, right? how you feel inside. If you're not getting some good feelings from it, then something's going wrong and everything else. Oh, also another thing I got from Doug Goodkin, he, he has these three H's that I heard him say, 
the head, the hearing, and the heart. Because a lot of times we get focused on listening in music or listening to our ensemble, and we get focused on the head, the intellectual process, and all the skill acquisition. And sometimes we forget about the heart. Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? How did it feel? Yeah. Did it make you giggle? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. All right, bro. As we wrap up here, um, how can the listeners here find you? Because I know there's some people that are vibing out and they're like loving what you're throwing down. They want to pick up more of it. How can people stay in touch with you, my man? Yeah. Uh, the easiest way is just Aaron Grooves. And that's my YouTube channel. I have some content on YouTube and I have lots of plans to do more stuff online, but right now I've been really more focused just on teaching in my private studio and working on composition and stuff. But eventually I will expand outwards and start offering more information and um, through the interwebs, yeah. But Aaron Groves, A-A-R-O-N-G-R-O-O-B-E-S. You can find me on YouTube. And uh, thanks so much for that invitation. Yeah, brother. And and also, uh, just for people here, Aaron and I do, as we mentioned earlier, we do perform together. We do keynotes and concerts and all types of stuff together. And so that's broncarandaaron.com. Um, so you can check out our stuff um, as well. So my man... It is such a delight and honor. It's always exciting with you as we walk through more and more doors of possibility together and continue to expand. So I just, the feeling that I have is so much gratitude for you, bro, uh, that you're in my life. So I love you, man, unconditionally. And um, it's same here. I, yeah, I can't thank you enough for having me. This has been fun. This has been fun. Giggles, heart, and a lot of everything. This is, yeah, this is a blast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And I think, I think we hit all the five G's here. I think we hit the I five G's did. right here. Yeah. We definitely yeah. did. Cool. I'm very, okay, thank, I thank. feel like I definitely grew. I'm very gracious. I felt like I had opportunities to give that I felt good about. I giggled and I'm missing one. Gratitude. Oh, what am I missing? Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And thank you everybody for tuning in. This has been a lot of fun. I'm Broncar. This is Aaron on the show. Uh, thank you for, for being here with us. And as always, I really hope that you got inspired today. You were ignited that you're going to take this ignition and this inspiration. You're going to expand into the next version of yourself. You're going to expand and be curious, ask questions of curiosity, and then integrate something into your life so that you can become more than you already are, which is an awesome being already. But take this energy, this inspiration, this feeling, and spread it out there because the world needs you to shine your light brightly sing your theme song at the top of your lungs and spread some good stuff. All right, my friends, have a great day. Thanks for listening to Spread the Good Stuff podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then join our community at spreadthegoodstuff.com forward slash community. In addition to this podcast, the Good Stuff Network puts on group programs, live events, and retreats, all infused with music, meditations, laughter, and real authentic connections with amazing human beings. If you got some value today, do us a favor and spread the good stuff by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Spread that good stuff.